Hello, friends. This is Dr. Benjamin Smith. Welcome back to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the 2,000-year-old Catholic intellectual tradition. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Kelly, our lecturer in theology, and we're going to continue our discussion on the vices or the capital sins. Uh, we decided to um, focus on this topic um, because uh, during uh, we're in the season of Lent, and during the season of Lent, uh, it's, of course, a time for self-examination, uh, aestheticism, and purification in a, a classical way, a traditional way of trying to achieve uh, those goals uh, is by reflection on the uh, capital sins or uh, the vices. So far in this series, we've talked about um, we've talked about gluttony and uh, greed and lust. We've also talked about envy and vanity. Uh, and hopefully today we're going to wrap up our discussion by focusing uh, especially on wrath and on sloth. And then we'll also talk a little bit about pride uh, as well. Um, so pride is sometimes not in every list. We've talked a little bit in the past about there being different lists uh, of, of the vices. Um, Dr. Wilson-Kelly, is there a particular one you'd like to start with today, wrath or, or, or sloth? Well, I think um, I, I might prefer, uh, yeah, I think, I think wrath might be where I would, I would want to start. Um, and mainly because, uh, for a few reasons, number one, I think, I think wrath is, is a vice with which many people have experience. I think actually many people have experience with, with all three of these. Sure. Uh, but, but wrath is one of those things where you can kind of really, it's easier for people to see it in themselves, mm -hmm. I think. Sure. Than maybe <laughs> some of the others. Uh -huh. Um, and also I think that pride and sloth uh are there's a subtlety mm -hmm. to to them that um you know i think as we sort of move toward the end of the discussion it would be it'd be more fruitful to uh to reflect on those sure sure so uh when you're thinking about wrath does this mean uh dr wilson kelly should is it so it is is it bad to be angry is anger intrinsically evil dr wilson kelly I think the answer to that question is no. What? So, so <laughs> I've um, heard it said before that man's anger doesn't please God. Yeah, man's anger. I suppose okay. that mm -hmm. that particular way of being angry that uh, human beings have a propensity for, right? Sure, especially in our fallen state, right? Yeah. So Aristotle, right? There's that famous passage in the Nicomachean Ethics where Aristotle mm -hmm. says, "To be angry is easy." but to be angry at the right person for the right reason at the mm -hmm. right time with the right intensity. Right. Right. Uh, and, and for the right length of time is a difficult thing that few people master. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think, you know, I think that what he's, um, what he's getting at, right. Is that there, there is a tendency for human beings just to react mm -hmm. and particular, and this is true actually with all the passions. Sure. But, in mentioning anger specifically, I, I think that this shows even for, even for uh, Aristotle, a pagan, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is very interesting, right? Because the pagans typically don't, don't view anger uh, mm -hmm. in the way that Christians do, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but even he sees that there, that there is a certain irrational kind of anger that human beings sure. are prone to mm -hmm. that doesn't have a correct object, mm -hmm. that it, that doesn't, out of all proportion, right? Mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or that, um, 
that no longer serves a useful purpose mm-hmm. and should be abandoned, right? Because the issue is long behind us. Sure. So um, I think it's, it's, this is actually one of, this is an interesting, this is an interesting one of the capital sins in my view, because in my observation, it seems that there, there are certain people who don't have a particularly big problem with this mm. uh, vice, right? I mean, there are some people who might even be criticized for never, for not being angry when they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, too many things just roll off their backs. But then there are others, you know, and we're all familiar with people like this who maybe we're maybe maybe you're one of them i don't i don't you know you it's easy to be one of those guys who just their leading emotion is anger Mm -hmm. when things don't if things don't go your way right um Mm -hmm. what's your response Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. is it anger right and if so is that always a rational response right Mm -hmm. sure yeah yeah and i think part of what you'd want to uh, ask you know um is is what you know what counts there as a as a rational uh kind of anger uh-huh. it, like when is anger a rational response one of the things that strikes me when you're talking about aristotle and sort of pagan thoughts about anger you know i think pagans uh, uh, especially ancient you know classical greek literature is very good in some ways on passions mm-hmm. in illustrating their extremes you know mm-hmm. um and so uh, one of the i mean you know in a way one of the simplest and uh, questions you can ask, but it's also one of the most profound questions you can ask uh, in a classics class is about, you know, what's the Iliad about? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sing the rage of Achilles, right? Oh. <laughs> That's, you know, like right there, the first couple of lines, right? There's this like, oh, this poem is about the wrath of Achilles, yeah. right? He's going to like embroil, he's going <laughs> to embroil civilization, the whole civilization in this massive, fruitless war. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 really interesting, you know, when you think about that, right? Like they they could see, right, like the um the wrath, anger, unchecked, right? Uh-huh. Is can become a, a force of uh, tremendous uh, destruction. Um and that's true of all of the the passions uh when they're sort of unchecked. When I think about uh the vice of anger, right? I think about it as this habitual disposition to allow the uh, irascible passions, right? Those like really strong kind of, you know, there's the kind of like, you know, oh, I'm feeling good today kind of passion, Uh right? And then there's those like gut ones, right? Like like the irascibles, right? And, and, you know, they really come out and that's when when you face opposition, right? When you Mm -hmm. face threat, right? Mm -hmm. And I think anger really comes up then, you know, like that's when you really start to get, you know, and what you're letting loose is that irascible, you know, sort of passion yourself. The, uh, uh, I like that, uh, that spirited part. Sometimes you can say like thumos, right? That's welling up in you and you're trying to overcome an obstacle. So in one way I kind of think of it as, is involving emotional aggression, right? Or oh. passionate aggression, right? Mm-hmm. Which isn't necessarily bad, right? Like there, there are times when you actually kind of need that, oh, you know, kind of, well, like, you know, when you're actually being attacked, mm-hmm, exactly. Your children right. are actually being attacked. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 In the, so what I would want to say is in the face of injustice, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and then what you're, and that's, you know, what St. Thomas thinks about anger is that anger is a 
is a response to I don't think this is I don't think this is actually comprehensive, but I think it's a good a good angle on it. That anger is a response to a perceived injustice, right? Mm-hmm. So we 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 feel like we've been mistreated. I see this even with my kids, like when they play a game and they feel like like somebody's cheated them, right? <laughs> like it's like yeah. something hasn't been fair, and then their anger rises up, right? Um, so I, there's a perception of an injustice there. The question of its rationality then has to do with um, was I really treated unjustly? And is my anger proportionate to the injustice done? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, you know, it's a, you, know, you look at some ways, someone sideways and then, you know, they want to assault you. Well, that's, that's, you know, <laughs> that's disproportionate. Right. <laughs> you know, and the person who has that, you know, or say with your children or with, you know, uh, your, your friends, right. You know, maybe, maybe somebody you know, said something slightly off and instead of just, kind of either blowing it off or just kind of saying something calmly like, Hey, I didn't appreciate that. Right. You get this huge wrath, right. You know, wow. you actually kind of feel the heat coming out. Well, that's disproportionate. Right. Um, yeah. what, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think like, well, so one of the, when, when you look at the, the way the uh, fathers talk about anger, you know, that really what they talk about habitual anger Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and i so i think that what we're talking about is a person who you know they're disposed to Mm -hmm. take offense right disposed (laughs) to sort of see the other as uh as as a threat Uh and feel the need always to kind of um to kind of like um what would I say? Um, defend their turf, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can see that. Yeah. 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 That's good. I like that. Uh, I, what I always say in class is uh, it's good to point that out because it's kind of like a, a pattern of disproportionate anger, right? Mm-hmm. A pattern of destructive anger. You know, um, uh, I used to tell my students that, you know, if you get angry once or twice a day, it's unfortunate that you run into too many jerks. But if you're getting bad all day long, it actually might be you that's the problem. <laughs> right? You might be too 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 disposed, like you were saying, right? Mm-hmm. To take offense, right? To feel mm-hmm. injustice. I actually think this is actually a bigger deal than we might think. We don't tend to think of ourselves as living, as we talked about before, in an honor society or a warrior society. But we do live in a society in which there's an enormous sense of entitlement. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, people feel like they're entitled, basically, to live these lives of just luxury, comfort, and praise. And and when they don't get that, right, when their desires are checked, when they're criticized, right, when they're merely opposed, right, they pers- they they have a reaction of extreme anger. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's weird. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I've got, how can I put it? I, I, so I think that uh, one of the main, one of the main problems is that it's destructive to human community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and so, but, and you could see how, of course, we talked before about how the, the different vices here, they do have a tendency to relate to each other and fold into each sure. other. There's overlap because you could see what you're describing right, could easily be seen as pride mm, um, as well, point. right? Mm-hmm, sure. uh, and so the, the person, a person who's very prideful and prone to anger mm-hmm. is also going to be um, 
you know, my entitlements have to be, I, I need to be seen a certain way. I need to be regarded, a certain, uh-huh. right? You need right, to respond right. to me a certain way um, that fits my, my preconceived expectations of what I deserve. And if you don't, <laughs> then I'm enraged, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having a lot of those is a good way to set yourself up to be angry. <laughs> I've learned over the years, right? It's good to kind of maybe kind of, as we say in my family, often manage your expectations. But right. Uh, <laughs> okay, good, good. So there is a there's a right kind of wrath or sort of anger, right, um, in given instances. But it's, yeah. but when we're thinking about wrath as a as a vice, as a capital sin, right? Mm-hmm. We're thinking about it as a sort of pattern of destructive, excessive, disproportionate anger, right? From which you can say many evils flow, right? Like I like that sense, mm-hmm. not I don't like, but I think I appreciate that sense of the capital sins as as headwaters, sources, yeah. right? From which, right, lots of sins flow, right? And you can see like if you seeing this in a family perhaps uh, or maybe in your own life or in a particular relationship, maybe at work, right? Where you have somebody who just has this habitual disposition towards wrath, towards anger or towards uh, this vicious uh, habit that really does destroy just a lot, right? I mean, it it can really shut down relationships. It can um, lead to, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, sense of, of, um, destruction of friendships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, low, uh, low self-esteem in the real sense, right? Like if you're really kind of beaten down by somebody who's really wrathful, uh, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, does that make sense? I do. Now, so there's another, um, you know, there are certain aspects of, of this sort of disposition, I think that, um, and I, I think they can manifest themselves in numerous ways, right? And mm-hmm. Maybe in some people, they have certain dimensions that, and other people, maybe they don't. Gotcha. But, but one dimension of this particular vice that I think sometimes appears, right, is, is unforgiveness. Mm. Does that make mm. sense to you? Absolutely, yeah. You're just so angry, right? You're like, I'm not going to forgive, man. i gotta, I got to apply my wrath. Yeah, you have to gratify. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, what about this, Rich? What about the person, though, who really – because I think ne- – I'm sorry to bring Nietzsche up again a second time here, but no, you gotta just get <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so, you know, Nietzsche has the idea that the natural thing for wrath, right, or anger is to inflict pain, right? Uh-huh. That's that's how you satisfy that desire, uh-huh. right? And I kind of think he's right a little bit, right? Um, the um, even I think good anger it rises up in opposition and involves the application of force. I think you know, uh-huh. from a kind of almost a emotional physiological perspective, right? We're getting really what's all that what's all that energy for right mm-hmm. well that energy is to, to be forceful right uh, yeah. uh, against some opposition or threat um, you know he would say well you know what the natural thing to do is to is to inflict pain now of course as Christians you know we're gonna be really hesitant about endorsing that view or endorsing an unrestrained or unqualified you know, acceptance of that, right? We're going to say, okay, maybe, but it's going to be highly disciplined, right? Yeah, uh, and I, I think also the, the point is that it's not, I think in Christianity, it can't, I'm inclined to say that it can't be justified purely on the basis of satisfying my own mm-hmm, sure. entitlement. So again, the entitlement, right? I'm entitled for you, to, I'm entitled to see you suffer. Uh-huh. I, I'm not sure that I, 
am entitled to see you suffer. I don't know if mm. that's an entitlement that I have. Mm-hmm. And so this is a different question from whether you deserve to be punished, whether injustice, mm. you have a debt to pay. That's a separate issue mm-hmm. from whether I have an entitlement to see you suffer. Yeah. You, you yeah. get what I'm sure. I think certainly to the, the good of it is not the satisfaction of my inflicting pain. Right. Right. Where there, where, if there is a good to it, right. It's not going to be like, that felt good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. right. Like that's not the right uh, disposition there. But what's really interesting. And the reason I brought this up, uh, Rich is to think about what about to tie it with for, uh, unforgiveness. Right. Uh-huh. This is kind of like the root of, of self-destructive bitterness. Right. That yeah. grows up where you, okay, I'm angry. And I, what I really want to do is inflict some pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm unwilling to give that up. So I don't forgive the person, but I can't actually inflict the pain. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just poison. Right. I mean, like uh, to yourself, I mean, really more than uh, certainly to others, but really yeah. to your own heart. So like there's an economic analysis you might give to something like this, right. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently you value this. Mm-hmm. so highly right right that you're willing uh-huh. to pay a tremendous cost sure um a cost in terms of like your own moment to moment um sense of peace yeah and yeah. also like your world of relationships right i mm-hmm. mean you're you you will extract mm-hmm. um you'll extract your um i mean how can i put it you'll gratify that anger no matter what it costs you in terms of, in terms mm-hmm. of relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's own in that case. Well, I shouldn't say it's only, it's especially self-destructive. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it leads to the harm of others. What, um, well, so when we're thinking about wrath, right, we're kind of going out towards an opponent, right. Uh-huh. Uh, in a sense. Uh, what do you think about sloth, right? Sloth is always a funny one because, I mean, you could, like you said, wrath seems kind of obviously vicious sometimes because, yeah. to be frank, it does get just downright vicious sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, sloth, you know, can kind of, it's almost uh, has, like, from an initial perspective, kind of looks like gluttony, right? Like, yeah, you know, or like, one could have the reaction, the same reaction, like, well, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe you shouldn't overeat, but, like, is it really a sin? You know, sloth sounds mm-hmm. like, okay, well, maybe you're a little lazy, but that really sinful like you know uh what, what's the the truth about sloth why why do the, the the fathers of the church and so many spiritual writers emphasize it and sometimes even emphasize it as one of the the most um spiritually yeah. destructive well i i think it's funny because you know we in the ancient lists we see it in manifest in different ways right um there is this one called um called uh, lupe right which is basically um grief affliction of mind Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's also um acadia which is uh indifference right okay um yeah yeah, and and in in what we think of as sloth right we're we're kind of taking both of those things and we're Mm. we're sort of shoving them into the same bag Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that um so we tend, we usually call it Acadia, but, but we've, we've turned that into this, you know, we've brought in the definition, I think, to include mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. defeatism in the face of evil. 
Yeah. So the way the way I put it is like this, right? Um, we can see these. We could see sometimes, um, you know, in various sayings that we're that we hear. Um, we, we can see some of these things manifest. Like, for example, if you can't beat them, join them. Okay. Right. Or um, you'll hear people say things like, well, you can't stop people from doing X. Mm -hmm. So we might as well make it safe, legal and rare or something. Right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what you've done is you've compromised with evil. You've given, mm -hmm. you've given evil a place at the table, right. right. Uh, authority in the moral dialogue, because you've conceded ground. You've conceded mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you can't, you're, that good is not, actually stronger than evil that, right. Yeah. right yeah which basically means that you're denying the gospel mm. and mm. and this is really the definition of what's of what john paul ii calls the culture of death mm. that's interesting okay so it's it's really the a kind of then in, um, in the way you're developing it it's a, a kind of uh, habit to acquiesce in the face of evil to kind of surrender in the yeah, face like of when evil push comes to so it's one thing for me to say like my I, i'm a christian right and mm -hmm. i uh i believe in this that and the other thing but then my beliefs my moral my moral values right my principles they're all mm -hmm. going up to a point but when my back mm -hmm. is against the wall hey i've got to compromise because you only got one life to live right i have to mm -hmm. live to see another day i have to mm -hmm. right right um but when you look at the martyrs, what, what do you see? You see people who, when their backs <laughs> up against the wall, uh -huh. they continue. They continue, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and so that, that's, that's really sort of developing its sense of Acadia. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, the martyrs would be examples of uh, those who are not slothful, right? Um, because uh, they don't just have this habit of acquiescence before difficulty uh before a difficult evil right right yeah yeah and particularly when it comes to when we talk about acquiescence what we're really talking about is um you claim mm. that there are certain things about reality here mm -hmm. right that there mm -hmm. are that god approves of certain things and disapproves of others that he sure. promises certain things and right, right, right and condemns certain things uh and when things are difficult, all of that mm -hmm. suddenly falls into the realm of ideals, abstract mm -hmm. ideals, right, in which right, you might right. aspire in the best of times. Uh -huh. but, when, uh -huh. but under these conditions, mm -hmm. we we just, you know, we can't be absolutists about these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. So in that sense, then you know, maybe I, I guess cowardice might be would be one of the, yeah, the, cowardice the, is the fruits is, is part of is, is symptomatic. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, the um, you could get, you could also kind of see fortitude as an opposite, oh, right? Uh, yep. uh, there, when uh, uh, Saint Thomas talks about it, it's interesting. He does talk about it as an evil, or as involving a reaction to evil mm -hmm. uh, or pain. But um, the way he put it that that I found really interesting um, is that it involves sorrow yeah over the difficulty of a spiritual good uh-huh right yeah you know, which i want to unpack that just a little bit because i think it's yeah. interesting right it's a, instead of sort of the reaction so the, the object here is a, a spiritual good but there's some sort of difficulty 
right, attached to it. And so what, what should be the response, right, is say like fasting, right, or something like that, mm -hmm. right, is that you sort of have, you sort of have fortitude, you rise up, and you sort of try to overcome by the grace of God, right, that difficulty yep. uh -huh. because of the spiritual good at hand, right? But instead of focusing on the spiritual good, which could inspire you to overcome the difficulty, right? Yeah. You just sort of languor and sorrow and grief, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? No, I think it's right on the money. And I, I think no. it's, it, I don't think it's, well, it's a different emphasis than the one I'm placing, but True. it's, it's True. part of the same issue, right? Because mm -hmm. if you think of, um, well, okay, so I had, I remember a conversation I had with a Benedictine uh, monk when I was an undergraduate. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a lot of those. And, <laughs> and I remember, you know, he was saying, in some ways, um, it's easy to be a martyr, right? Mm. By which he meant uh, a, 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 blo a bloody martyr, right? Okay. It's one thing to, in one glorious moment, right? Mm -hmm. Give mm -hmm. myself up completely mm -hmm. in the face of a threat. Right, right, right. Um, but it's another thing, right, to live this thing that they call white martyrdom, mm -hmm. which is really, you know, the life that all Christians are, in a certain sense, expected to live, particularly uh, in times of when Christianity is in disfavor, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. for example, in our society, or mm -hmm. worse, right, in a society where Christianity is under active oppression, mm -hmm. maybe somebody's mm -hmm. not killing you, but... Mm -hmm. Sure. They make being Christian a very difficult choice to make day in and day out. Right, right, right. And, and so the person who is slothful here, uh, and this is interesting because this is under that under that other that other word, right? The mm -hmm. Greek word lupe. Okay. Right, which is that grief or affliction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're you're living your life, uh, and and your what you see. Right mm -hmm. when you think about the Christian walk in front of mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. is the is the you just dread like it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's it's the difficulty of it. That's, That's what right. you see, yes, rather yes, than yes, the joy, yes. right, right. Um, of the fact that you live. You're basically living in a different world than these people mm -hmm. around you are living in. Mm -hmm. You see things in reality that they don't perceive because mm -hmm. you have the benefit of the gospel. Right. Um, sure. Sure. So rather than sort of living in that in that joy, right, you mm -hmm. live under oh, I would that it were different for me. <laughs> right. Right. And right. and because of that, you're likely to sort of lose heart mm -hmm. and compromise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the uh, the key here, especially for somebody because we you know uh, as as you pointed out uh, on several occasions during conversations, you know, there's always. Uh, individual acts right and so there's always you know uh that we'd want to distinguish from habits there's uh, always going to be those moments where we, where we recognize like oh man i really don't want to go to confession today i really don't want to go to mass i don't you know whatever it is right uh -huh. or something or something more challenging but that's different from this habit right of dwelling on right the pain or the difficulty of it right there's a kind of almost um I want, I'm, 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 I'm tempted to say like softness uh, that you could associate with it, maybe as well as a kind of sense of um, 
self-pity like oh why do i have to do this again you know like or why do you know like why do i have to suffer you know why is it difficult you know like um i know as a as a child and i think a lot of children work through this remember you know my parents emphasizing the importance of overcoming self-pity right Mm -hmm. you know like we could it's very easy for us to just start feeling sorry for ourselves right um it, it, that's not exactly the same as sloth but i could it seems like there's it's kind of alive um but one of the things about it i think like you said is uh, or indicated is that it really can sap us right it can yeah. really undermine us and i think that's the thing that really it's kind of like in an odd sort of way i remember c.s lewis saying this and i i think saint thomas picks it up or you know saint thomas said it, would have said it much earlier but i think saint thomas picks up a similar note when he talks about the idea that that you know, like he, with all the virtues, he brings this up. Like, is is justice the greatest of the virtues? Right? Is fortitude yeah. the greatest of the virtues? And Saint Thomas almost always finds a way to say yes, secundum quid, right? In a right, certain respect, right. right? And so there's a way in which fortitude, right? If you don't have fortitude, you're not going to make it. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? You know, like yeah. certainly we would put wisdom and justice in a sense higher than fortitude from different angles, right? Uh-huh. But there's another sense in which if you don't have fortitude, you're you're dead meat, you know? Well, in a very real sense, fortitude is the first virtue that you need to develop, like mm-hmm. when you're five, because mm-hmm. if you don't, you're going to fail every single time. Right, because there's so always difficulty You're going involved. to be a failure. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think that sloth in a way, right, is is somewhat similar in its importance, right? Every spiritual good that's worth having past certain extraordinary events or a certain age. Um, and in, 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 in the fallen world, the in the fallen world, there's always difficulty. Yeah, it's, it's going to have difficulty associated with it. So if you're slothful, right, if you have an aversion to the difficulty that can be attached to the spiritual good, and that's habitual, it's, it is deadly in the sense that eventually it will turn you from every spiritual good. Right, right. Uh, and that way, it's, it's devastating, right? I mean, it's... Uh, uh, it's like um, corruption in the root, <laughs> yeah. almost. Yeah. It's interesting because when I um, when I talk about the capital sins, for the most part, my inclination is to is to talk about sloth last. Mm-hmm. For this reason, uh, and and actually, um, I usually teach it right because I. I I do it this way because I think that sloth is one of the most insidious mm. of the capital sins mm. in our society today. Mm-hmm. Uh, for mm-hmm. some reason, right, our society is structured in terms of its expectations or demands. I'm not really sure what. Yeah. In such a way that it, if you have the slightest inclination towards slothfulness, it's going <laughs> to. <laughs> That's right. I think rich were spoiled. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think we're just soft and spoiled compared to our Christian ancestors. Uh-huh. I mean, we just have it, you know, I mean, right now we're going through this, you know, health crisis, right? This, you know, COVID-19, and we don't need to get off of that too much. But, you know, like, there are some people who are really suffering from it. But the vast majority of us are just kind of staying home and hunkering down and uh-huh. watching lots of Netflix and eating too much. And, you know, I mean, like, that's that that's not real suffering right, yeah, right. you know right. now there are of course people and i want to be very clear about this who are enduring real suffering from this situation but the vast majority of us are not um or the majority of us are not but that's just one small example i think of of 
we're just so used to getting what we perceive to be desirable without great difficulty um, that, um, yeah, uh, that, that I think it, we have a pr propensity, an extra propensity for sloth. Uh -huh. uh, although I, I want to introduce a counterpoint and see what you say about this, uh, Rich. So some people will endure great difficulties to have six pack abs. Yeah. But do nothing to go to church. That, so yeah, this is an interesting question. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that, to be honest, because mm -hmm. on the one hand, I'm inclined to say, right, that sloth particularly has to do with spiritual goods. So yeah, I'm, right. I'm not sure, right, that yeah, we can yeah. say, I'm not sure the fact that he's working out to get six pack abs. But won't go to church. It indicates that he's not slothful or something, mm -hmm. right? Yes, yes. Okay. okay. Uh, right. I think he, he may very well be slothful, like profoundly mm -hmm. slothful. Mm -hmm. Because, look, the spiritual good is something that he can't measure in any earthly terms. Right. That he can't, he can't see mm -hmm. the payoff mm -hmm. in this life. Mm -hmm. It really depends upon faith and hope, right? Sure. Yeah. He has to yeah. be able to look beyond the horizon of this life and see that there's real value in this, in this spiritual thing, mm -hmm. this spiritual good, even though in this life, you can't lay your fingers on it, right? Mm -hmm. You can't like, you, yeah. I, I could see the six, well, I can't, I don't have six packs. <laughs> if I did, I'd be able to see uh, them in the mirror, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You could see that payoff. Sure, sure. But how exactly does one see, you know, the payoff of, of his, of his fasting, his abstinence, mm -hmm, self-denial. Mm -hmm. There are, I guess there are psychological ways to, to measure it, but it's difficult to sure. get, it's difficult to get that guy to appreciate that. Yeah. In fact, Friedrich so, Nietzsche would, uh, would hold you in disdain, right? For, sure. for thinking that you achieved anything there. Yeah. I think it's interesting here is the, um, an associated problem might actually be, might actually be, the case that the person who's obsessed with physical appearance uh -huh. is a good sign that they are slothful. Uh -huh. <laughs> Maybe it's not a guarantee, right? But it's a, it's a good indication. Uh, I've read a couple of spiritual writers who have the view that frenetic activity in our current society is actually a sign of its profound slothfulness, right? Whereas, you know, our, our Christian ancestors could talk about the joy of fellowship with Christ in prayer, right? Uh -huh. And they could just rest in God and rest yeah. in, uh, in fellowship with Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, that, that's not something you would hear very much <laughs> contemporary, even contemporary Christian talk, right? Where you think, you know, the less, the less you're at rest in those spiritual goods, right? kind of the more you have to do for, uh, to compensate on, on, on the physical goods, on the temporal goods, but all of those are finite, passing away, you know, they run out of your hands as soon as you try to hold on to them, that sort yeah. of thing. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, that opens a can of worms. We don't have time to even address it. Okay. <laughs> okay. In, in another podcast, maybe, I'd love uh, to talk about it. But I, for me, this is a massive issue. Mm -hmm. And that is the, um, the obsession with activity yes, yeah. uh, in the religious world, 
right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, um, the triumph of mendicantism, uh, and I'm not bashing the mendicants. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like that model as opposed to the contemplative model, right? If you want to, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a false dichotomy, but but what we've done is we've introduced a false dichotomy here. We've, mm-hmm. we've split this, this sort of doing aspect from mm-hmm. the contemplative. And mm-hmm. now we've, we've sort of turned the contemplative dimension uh, into uh, what, would I, what would we say, right? It's, it's, we turn it into abstraction, we right. turn it yeah, into yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, rigidity. Yeah. Um, I mean, we the, turn the, it into, into yeah. like some sort of misplaced piety or something. Sure. But yeah, the, the funny thing is from a traditional perspective, right? You'd have to almost say that the, the person who is still in contemplation of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Is the least slothful. Whereas the person who is hyperactive in the activities of this world are actually the most slothful. Isn't that right? Yeah, I, I think so. This is, it's paradoxical from our point of view, but, mm-hmm. but I see the point. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, um, but, but look at some of the writings you see today. Look at some of the things people say, right? Even mm-hmm. well-intentioned Christians, mm-hmm. you know, will always, they can't uh, leave it at contemplation. It mm-hmm, always mm-hmm. has to, it always has to become action. Right. Uh, yeah, right. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, anyway, I mean, we could, but we could talk about that sure, forever. Sure. I mean, just, yeah. But it's one of the things I think it's really fascinating about all the vices that we've talked about is they, they open up such a, a, a perspective, right. And, um, avenue for discussion and analysis and some of the ones that you wouldn't think, right. I mean, you kind of think, okay, well, drunkenness and lust, right? Those are the big vices. Really, they are, but they're kind of like simplistic and boring in some ways. They could right. be more complicated, obviously, but the, some of the ones that are more, that are actually deeper and uh, more, how to put this, more malicious, uh, more um, spiritually damaging, more socially corrupting, are some of the ones we wouldn't sort of see on the surface i'm not trying to to play down the importance of of those kind of physical kind of um uh you know things like lust and drunkenness or gluttony or whatever Uh, but i I, there's actually these these ones that are spiritually oriented actually that have a greater gravitas to them i think yeah uh and i think you see that in the difference um I think in some authors between things like pride and lust, right. Mm -hmm. Or the prideful person versus the gluttonous person Uh, just to kind of wrap up here with the, with pride, which I think is, can be associated with, with uh, sloth, but it's pride in a way is as spiritual as sloth. um, But it has a somewhat different emphasis. Right. And so um, pride's not always, distinguished as a separate vice, right? And Mm -hmm. in St. Thomas's work, it's usually not counted directly as a vice, but as the root of all the vices, right? Or something like that, right? I think what he's trying to do there is kind of contrast pride and charity. Um, So you have kind of charity as the the form of all the virtues, Mm -hmm. pride is sort of the form of all the vices uh, kind of thing. And one of the things I think that's important to St. Thomas about uh, pride is it allows him to talk about um, diabolical malice and, and uh, demonic evil, right? Yeah. Uh, because there's no physicality in St. Thomas's theology for demonic evil, right? Mm-hmm. 
it's merely pride, (laughs) which is really interesting, right? In Thomas's view, the angels don't have passions, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. Right, so for him, it's, there's this kind of, of course, he doesn't believe there is such a thing as pure evil, but there's a pride is their sin, right? And that's how we become kind of like them, right? It is in a sense, yeah, so let me put it like this. Pride, in a sense, is what, sin is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right so if you if you think about like um the choice between my my will and god's will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right right who's yeah, the yeah. one with the ultimate authority here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um who has to conform to whom right right uh and and i find right that um in pride this is always the struggle in the fallen world and this is why everyone has an issue with pride. You might not have an issue with right. anger or with lust or whatever. You, <laughs> right. you have an issue with pride. Yes. Uh, if you're, yeah, everybody yeah. does, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so ask yourself certain questions. Um, how difficult is it for me to surrender my particular good to the common good? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Uh, if the answer is really, really hard, and I'm inclined not to do it, then I would say we have issues with pride, right? right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I ever find myself doing this, right? Mm-hmm. If I think to myself, okay, I know this is the definitive teaching of the church right. on this moral matter, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Um, or like this is clearly witnessed in the Bible as mm-hmm. you know, the moral standard. I know that, and I'm not questioning whether it is or is not right. said. Right. I'm yeah. saying, I don't think it should be that way. <laughs> Dude, it doesn't matter what you think, right? right? What should be the case or what shouldn't be the case, mm-hmm. right? You're not the guy who gets to make that decision. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but if you, but this is what people do. Sure. And, and I, this is a big thing in our society, actually, right? When mm-hmm. we see, one of the real places we see pride manifest is, mm-hmm. is in what people think should be the case about mm. reality about uh, about moral and these days even spe- even like physical reality mm. like for example and this is totally politically incorrect mm-hmm. right we'll get banned from youtube but like um it, the whole thing with with gender theory right mm-hmm. i mean if mm-hmm. you if you have a man's body and you say but i know i'm a woman mm-hmm. I, i'm gonna say right that what you're doing is you're attempting to make reality conform to you rather mm-hmm. than assent mm-hmm. to, to the way things really are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a manifestation of pride. And mm. now here's the thing. I, I, I can talk to somebody like that and say that and at the same time say, and, and you're, you're not alone in right. the tendency to, to engage the world that way. Right, 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 right. right. Um, this is a problem with being fallen. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know those sorts of things you're pointing out are especially clear manifestations of pride, uh-huh. right? Um, especially when you're trying to say that I should be the standard of truth, mm-hmm. I should be the standard of physical reality. What St. Thomas kind of puts in right is um, the idea that. Um, Pride involves making yourself the ultimate end, not yeah. just an end, but the ultimate end. Right. 
which right only belongs to God. Um, and so really you're kind of putting yourself in that place through pride, right? You're saying, I'm the ultimate end of this person. I'm the ultimate end of this part of reality. I'm the ultimate yeah. end of whatever. In which case, you know, your will, your substance, your, your person, your heart, right? Um, is in the, is in the place really where God should be, right? Where God that's should right. be right at the ultimate end. Um, we end up placing ourselves there. And that's why we can say, you know what? I know that, you know, Catholic Christianity teaches X, but you know, we don't ever say this out loud, but Hey, <laughs> I don't want it to. Right. Yeah. And right. so I'm going to bend it to my, cause, cause Catholicism needs to serve me. Right. Yeah, right, right. Um, the not that I need, not that I need to follow Catholicism in order to serve God. Right? Um, and, and so I think that that, that bending everything back to oneself, right. Uh, um, I think it's, uh, we don't do this very often, but quote Martin Luther here. <laughs> so the uh, uh, say, right? Right, that, that there's a, that we have this curve back onto the self, yeah. right? Uh, is a nice way, I think, of expressing pride, right? Uh, uh, yeah. What pride is, right? It turns everything back towards me and my will. That's right. So, you know, so basically, you know, that video, um, that video that we've seen, uh, on YouTube, it was uh, ordain a lady, right? You remember that one? Yes. <laughs> so I would say that that is like clear. I mean, it's gushing with pride, right? Mm -hmm. The person deciding that mm -hmm. while Saint Paul, like she, 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 she literally says, "Don't listen to Saint Paul," mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and she declares that God called her, even though mm -hmm. the church says no. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I wonder, like, what evidence do you have that you've been called, right? Like, what, what is your evidence? Mm -hmm. um, and here, it's purely, it seems, the subjective sense that I, that I, right. Right. I, I think mm -hmm. I want to be or something. I, mm -hmm. um, but the objective condition, right, is that is that orders are mm. a sacrament in the church and under the custody of the church, sure, given right, by Christ right. under His authority, right, and under certain conditions. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, you have not been called, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So, if you ask a priest, um, how do you know that you're called to the priesthood? Mm -hmm. He'll tell you, well, because. I knelt before the bishop mm. and he put his hands on me and said, receive mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Right. right. You're literally called. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's very important, uh, Rich. Um, I would want to say one, one other thing that, that is useful. We're kind of running long on time here, so we'll wrap up here. But um, the, if you go through any of the vices that we've talked about, uh -huh. envy, vanity, wrath, uh, even lust, gluttony, you can find, I think, oddly enough, pride <laughs> yeah. around that, even with things like adultery, right? Like, I know that this woman is somebody else's wife, but she needs to serve my desires and satisfaction, right? Yeah. Does, that, does that make sense? So that, that what you end up with there is at the root of adultery, right? Or I know that this woman's not my wife, but, you know, whatever. at the root of it is pride, right? I can yeah. treat my wife unjustly, 
because really she exists for the sake of me, right? Yeah. Um, or, or anything like that, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, Rich. Uh, do you have any like final thoughts here to, to kind of leave us with as we, we wrap this up and, and move on to other topics uh, in the future? Well, only that uh, in this time of Lent, right, I think it's really important for us to reflect on these vices, not just on vices, but in the sense that Lent is about uh, the purgative way, mm -hmm. right, that we should we should take the time to reflect on these things and, and take stock of, of who we are and where we are in our spiritual journey. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the point of all this is not so you can diagnose <laughs> the spiritual condition of your spouse or your parents or whatever, mm -hmm. but so that we can look in the mirror and take stock of ourselves. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's very important. That self examination, right, is uh, uh, the vices are, are uh, teaching about the vices, the proper understanding of those capital sins uh, is uh, really invaluable, uh, uh, irreplaceable, I should say, um, resource for a self examination. Well, friends, I hope that uh, uh, you have uh, uh, benefited from our conversation here and that you've been edified. Um, we will be continuing on next week with uh, a, a new set of topics. Still thinking about what that's going to be. We've got a couple things in mind. Uh, but until next time, uh, God bless and stay safe. <laughs>